Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church. I hope that you're ready to be part of what God wants to do in your life and our lives as a church today. If you're visiting with us, an extra special welcome. We hope that you stay tuned in uh, all the way through to the end and really uh, enjoy being part of our service today. Can you believe that this is the 19th uh, Sunday of online church? The 19th Sunday of online church. I can't believe that. I was just thinking about uh, the Sunday uh, where we kicked off online church in the building here. It was live streamed on Facebook. We were all really, really nervous. And then the following Sunday, we went into recording services and, and doing all the things that we've been doing. And this is the 19th Sunday uh, of doing church online. Can I just say it's still as challenging sometimes as it was right at the start. Um, I, I wish that you were here, um, but here we are. That's what we need to do just now. Uh, I will share a few things just in a, a few moments about uh, where we're at. Um, but before we do that, we're going to pray and we're going to just enter into a time of worship. Steve's going to be leading us in worship this morning. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you never leave us, that you never forsake us. Father, we thank you that you are the reason that we even tune in to Church Online today. Father, it's about you. It's about giving your name all the glory. Father, it's about telling other people about you. It's about loving other people the way that you do. And so, Father, we just pray, help us in a, our service of worship today to really enter into all that you have for us. We pray also that we would hear your voice. Lord, we want to worship you. We want to praise you. But Father, we also want to hear what you want to speak into our lives today. So we pray that our ears would be open to all that you want to say. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.
Thank you to Steve and Josh for the incredible uh, time we've had this morning worshipping. And I also want to uh, thank those who are in the background. I want to thank Mary for her continued operation of uh, the, the slides. And also for Sarah, who's uh, really been carrying us for quite a while, uh, playing the keyboards and leading us in worship. And uh, I'm just grateful to, to my family. I'm grateful to Steve also uh, for kind of stepping up and helping us with, with worship. So it's great. Um, one of the things I said I was going to share was just a, a brief outline of where we're at. Um, we do plan at some point in August to bring the church back into the building. We're looking at possibly the third Sunday in August to do that. But here's the thing, church as, as it stands just now needs to look very different. You've probably heard for yourself the statistics, we're only allowed to have a maximum of 50 people in the building there are things which we are taking responsibility for as a church to make the place clean and safe, but there are also things which you will need to take responsibility for uh, as you come into church. Uh, so we have m many more people than 100, uh, sorry, we, many more people than, than 50. Our, our, uh, our service will only take 50 people maximum. So we're going to have to uh, just refine a system for, for doing that. And we're just in the process of uh, finalizing that and tweaking that to see how we can get people back into the building worshiping God. But even when we do that, we're not allowed to sing at this point in time when we come together. So it's all going to look very different. It's going to feel very different. And the reality is that uh, until things really settle down, we're still going to be in a process of transition. We went from church gathered to lockdown very quickly but coming out of lockdown into what we were like back in, uh, in March when we uh, had to close the, the building that's going to take time and it's going to look very different and it's going to feel very different but hopefully we can really communicate uh, just a little bit more about that uh, to you we're going to uh, try and help by by shooting video and showing you what the place is is going to look like and, and just some of the things that we can do and some of the things we can't do. So that, that's just coming up. That communication will be uh, coming out soon. But we want to just turn uh, now to, to God's word and we want to really uh, hear what God has to say to us today. So let's just, let's just pray before we uh, turn to God's word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. 
Father, we pray that our ears would be open to hear what the Spirit would say to us today. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come into this moment and that you would help us to hear your voice today, your voice for our lives. And Father, we pray that we would be challenged. We pray that we would be encouraged. Lord, we just pray that something inside would happen as we hear your word today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So the title of what we want to talk about today is that there is no dream without danger, at least not a God-sized dream. That's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to think about the life of Joseph once again and really think about this whole area of dreams. What is your dream? What is my dream? What is our dream as a church? What do we want to see or what do we see happening and what are we reaching out to God for? A couple of weeks ago, uh, the title of the message was Don't Let Difficulties Destroy Your Dreams. There are so many things that can get in the way of our dreams becoming reality. And the reality is that there is no testimony without a test. You may remember me saying that last week. There's no faith story without moments where faith is tested. And faith, our faith is tested time and time again. But here's the thing. I encouraged us a couple of weeks ago to choose calling over comfort. You know, it's so easy just to settle down. You know, you're probably sitting uh, in comfort at home. You're watching church online. And here we are again. I said it's the 19th Sunday of church online. And it's so easy to choose comfort over our calling. It's so easy to settle down. It's so easy to just ease back and to begin to relax in the things that God has for us. And we thought about how God is at work, even amongst the chaos. The chaos of what's happening just now, God is still at work, even amongst the chaos. We thought about how our difficulties can define us or destroy us. Our difficulties can de- drive us to our knees, and our difficulties can develop character within us. And, and so today, we, we, we're going to develop that theme just a little bit further. As I said, the title of our message is There's No Dream Without Danger, at least not a God-sized dream. And that's where we're going to go today. And I was just kind of thinking as I was preparing for today, why, why is this message important? Why do we need to hear this message today? Well, I think there are three reasons. The first one is that God cares about the people in this world. His people and after all, this world is his. Psalm 24 verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the people in this world. And God loves the people in this world. God cares about the people in this world. God loves you and cares about you. And so we need to hear this message. We need to hear a message about dreams, about no dreams without danger, about dreaming God-sized dreams. So God cares. The second thing is that God calls. God calls us deeper into his dream for this world, God's plan for this world. He calls us deeper into that. You know, if you read Genesis, way back at the start, it says, and God saw that it was good. God has a plan for this world. And there's a dark force that is an enemy that is trying to frustrate that plan and trying to distract us from the things of God in this world. So God cares and God calls us into his service, into his dreams but also that God carries us. He carries us through the dangers in order to fulfill his purposes. His purposes for us, for you, for I, his purposes for this church, his purposes for our neighbors, and even for our enemies. God 
wants to fulfill his purposes. You know, I think about that line in the hymn Amazing Grace. We sung it a few weeks back. It says, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. And I don't know about you, but I, when I sing those words, I reflect on my life. I reflect on the dangers that I've been through in order to see God's dream fulfilled, the dream that he has put within my heart fulfilled. And I think about the grace of God in my life. I think about all that God is doing, and I'm so moved by that, that God has a care for this world, that he calls us into his service, and that when times are tough, he carries us through the dangers and the difficulties. You know, I was standing in uh, the utility room in our house just this week, and I looked up to the wall, and there's a poster which Mary has had since long before uh, even I met her, and it's still hanging on the wall, and it's called Footprints in the Sand. And there's a picture of a single set of footprints going through the sand. And it reminds us of the times that are difficult and dark in our lives, how God carries us through those times. I was just reminded of that this week. But I'd like us to think just for a little while about dreams. And really, uh, I want to reflect on some things that take me way back to when I was just a teenager. I remember buying a copy of a book called Arnold the education of a bodybuilder. As you can see, I didn't learn very much from that book. <laughs> I did try. I, I was into the weight training. I was taking uh, all the vitamins and being really healthy. It didn't really have much of an effect on me, I have to say. But hey, that's just me. But I remember some of the things I was reading in this book. And, you know, I was trying to kind of emulate somebody else's dream. I was trying to be somebody else. I was trying to live their dream. And I soon realized that actually that wasn't my dream. It wasn't for me. It wasn't who I was supposed to be or who I was going to be. Quite clearly, I never became the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, sometimes I wish I had, but that's another story. But I remember when I was a young man having a dream, uh, probably off the back of that, that I would have a Porsche 911. I remember saying to my dad that I was going to get this Porsche. Here's a picture on the screen of what it would have looked like had that dream come true. It's the older style uh, Porsche. And I remember saying to my dad, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, earn money and I'm going to get this car and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember my dad just laughing, you know, and uh, I kind of look back on that and think it probably was quite humorous. But I was quite serious at the time. But then something happened in my life. That dream was overtaken by something else. And I remember picking up a copy of a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. There's a picture of the cover uh, on the screen there. And when I read that book, something happened inside of me that realigned my dreams so that the things like the Porsche 911 became unimportant. And I remember actually the day where I made a conscious decision to let go of that dream in order to take up a new dream for my life, a different dream. You see, I realized when I read that book that lost people matter to God. I read in that book about a man who felt a call to reach out to those in the gangs in New York. And something happened in me, something stirred me, where I decided to choose my calling over comfort. To choose calling over overcomfort. And the challenge today, and I say this to our church, I say it to the young people in our church, those who are at that formative stage, you may have all sorts of dreams for your life, 
Can I encourage you to get a God-sized dream in your life, to hear God's voice for yourself, to get the call of God in your life? Why? Because lost people matter to God, and God is calling us to reach out to lost people. And this new dream was fueled by some people which Mary and I met before we were even married. We were walking up Soaky Hall Street, and here in front of us were a group of missionaries doing dramas and singing songs, and we stopped to hear what they were saying. We really just stopped to encourage them and to, and to cheer them on, really, and to pray for them as we were standing there. And we realized that these people were from a ship called the Anastasis. Did you know that Anastasis means resurrection? What an incredible name. And when we met these people, what happened was that that dream to reach lost people was fueled. We got talking to them in Soaky Hall Street, and that dream was fueled. We watched them perform their dramas and sing and worship, and the dream was fueled. We got invited back onto the ship, and so the following day, the Sunday, we went out for a service which was going to happen on the Anastasis ship. It was docked in Glasgow, and we saw a drama. I saw a drama. We, we saw things which fueled the dream of living a God-sized dream. I remember that drama very clearly. It was about somebody being called into ministry and the, the, the powers of darkness trying to stop this person until the boss comes in, the devil himself, and he says, you guys get out of the way, you don't know what you're doing. And then he butters the person's ego. He says, oh, you're going to be a fantastic missionary. You're going to see souls saved. You're going to see uh, people won for Christ. You're going to see people set free, but just not just now. And something about that has stuck in my mind all these years. And it fueled a God-sized dream in my life. I remember a little bit later on going to hear Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz was the person in the cross and the switchblade who David Wilkerson reached out to and who became a Christian. And his life was turned around. And we went to the forum in Livingston. For those who remember that long ago, uh, the forum in Livingston, we went there and we heard Nicky Cruz for ourselves. And it fueled this God-sized dream to see lost people won for Christ. And we got involved in Teen Challenge. We began to take this big blue bus out, out into the streets of Bathgate. And we eventually took it into the streets of Whitburn and we had some of our young people in our youth group helping with that. We had people from other churches coming to help with that. And we were out there in the front line trying to tell people about Jesus, trying to help people with problems such as addictions. And that dream, well, that dream had a bit of danger attached to it. You know, I remember one night we were out in Bathgate and we were talking to the young people in the streets and two of them just got into this almighty tussle and began fighting and there was punches flying everywhere. And I remember actually standing in the middle of these two guys and getting them apart and saying, guys, you need to calm down, you need to settle down. And eventually they, 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 they kind of composed themselves and settled down. Hey, I wish it had lasted, but it didn't last. That moment didn't last. They ended up walking down the street and they, they kind of fell into one of these uh, doorways in a shop, and they were in there knocking lumps out of each other, and the police car drove up, and just the, the two of them were huckled into the car and driven away. I'm so glad I wasn't in the middle of it at that moment, or I would have been huckled into the car as well. But you see, when we have a God-sized dream, there's danger attached to it. There's no dream without danger, at least not a God-sized dream. 
And Joseph, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, Joseph is known for his dreams and his God-given gift for interpreting dreams. You know, I had a tutor when I was going through distance learning, and he used to sign his emails, living the dream. Living the dream. And I, I used to think, I wonder what that means. What does he mean by that when he says living the dream? Well, let's think about what it meant for Joseph to live the dream. And I'm going to scoot through uh, some points. You see, there's, there's no dream without danger. Joseph's dreams, he had these dreams as a 17-year-old boy, but there's no dream without danger, at least not a God-sized dream. And the reality is that people might hate you because of your dream, your God-sized dream. People may be jealous of your gift. Think about Joseph. His father gave him the gift of a, a, a richly ornamented coat, which he would wear, and his brothers were jealous of him because of the father's gift. You know, the reality is that there are maybe some people who will be jealous of you because of what God has placed on your life, because they might think, I want that for myself. There are some people who will hate you because of your God-sized dream. We've experienced that. The reality is that if we have a God-sized dream, we're going to upset some people. It says in Genesis 37, 8 about Joseph's brothers, and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And then in Genesis 37, verse 11, we read that his brothers were jealous of him. People may mistreat you because of your dream. But I want to just scoot through 10 quick things, and it's not a 10-point sermon. Please don't get all fidgety, okay? Just as well I can't see you on the other side of the camera. Don't get fidgety. It's 10 quick points about Joseph. The outline that dreams have danger attached. You see, first, Joseph found himself in the pit. He was robbed of his coat and he was roughly treated and at the hands of his very own brothers, thrown into a pit and would have been left for dead had they not decided to change the plan. The second thing is that there was a price. He was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. You know, that doesn't sound like very much. And it made me think, how much is a person worth? If we think about it today, even today, people are being trafficked, people are being bought and sold and put, put into places where they don't want to be, where they're forced either into prostitution or uh, uh, working for people that are treating them harshly. How much is a life worth? How much is a person worth? You can't put a value on a person. You can't put a monetary value on a person. But that's what the brothers did to Joseph. They sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Thirdly, there was the passage from Dothan down to Heliopolis in Egypt. And have you ever thought about what that journey must have been like for Joseph? I was trying to just kind of work out uh, just how far that was. And I reckon it would have taken weeks rather than days to make that journey. And I wonder how Joseph was treated as he went on that journey. The closest I can think uh, is a film called Gladiator. I don't know if you've seen that film where Maximus is actually uh, taken by slave traders. In fact, they, he gets sold off uh, to, to a, a, a guy who uh, runs a gladiator school. And it's just that picture of him uh, getting uh, 
taken through the desert to, to eventually be sold on. And I kind of think that's what it must have been like for Joseph. And I, I wonder what went through his mind as, as he missed his, his father, as he missed his family, as he missed all that was familiar to him. What was going through his mind? He must have thought, this is it, this is the end. I don't know what's going to happen next. But you see, there's no dream without danger. There's no dream without danger, especially if it's going to be a God-sized dream. Then fourthly, the power, but it was short-lived. You see, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, Genesis 39.2. The reality is that God is with us even in the middle of our difficulties. Has God not said time and time again, I will be with you? Regardless of what happens in life, God is there with us. And even in this difficult situation, Joseph found favor. God gave him favor. It says in verse 4 of 37, of, oh, sorry, of chapter 39, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. You see, Joseph although he was a servant, although he was a slave, had a position of power because his master trust him, trusted him. Point five, the passion, the passion of Potiphar's wife. And that could have been a snare to him. That could have been the end of his dream. That could have been the end of his God-sized dream. You see, the reality is that Joseph resisted that temptation day after day after day. It says that she spoke to Joseph day after day after day, tempting him. And yet Joseph, excuse me, getting tongue-tied, Joseph resisted the temptation. Sixth thing is the prison. Joseph's master took him and put him into a prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. We thought about that a couple of weeks ago. He was Joseph confined in a prison. Why? Because he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. It was all gone wrong for Joseph, or so it seemed. But the reality is that God was working away in the background, fulfilling the dreams. Why? Because there's no dream without danger attached, at least if it's a God-sized dream. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him, giving him favor once again. Point seven, the people. And it says, when Joseph came to them, he's talking about uh, the cupbearer and the, the baker, the next morning he saw that they were dejected. Genesis 40, we read that. Joseph was interested in people. He was interested in their suffering. Why? Because he knew himself what it was to suffer. He knew himself what it was to be mistreated. And think about Jesus for a moment. And that he suffered. He suffered on behalf of the whole world. A world that by and large rejects him. And what does it say about his understanding of our suffering and his deep heart of compassion for people and for those who suffer? Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. Jesus understands everything about us. He understands our weakness. He understands our temptations because he's experienced it. Joseph was interested in people. Jesus was interested in people. Jesus died for people. Jesus died so that we could know what it is to have a relationship with God through him. Point number eight, the Pharaoh. 
And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. And when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before the Pharaoh. Genesis 41, 14. I have just this image of one of these guys who's uh, part of these survivor stories. You know, uh, he, you know the, the long hair and the bedraggled beard and the skin's all kind of looking a bit funny. And here's Joseph who has to get himself cleaned up before he comes in and stands before the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the land, a, a man who would be regarded as God, in fact. God with a small g, not a capital G. And here he is before the Pharaoh. He finds himself then after interpreting the Pharaoh's dream in the palace. And this is what the Pharaoh says to him. He says, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Genesis 41, 40. Everyone had to submit to Joseph. But the reality is that there's no dream without danger. The time period between the pit and the palace was 13 years. He had to go through many dangers, toils and snares before eventually the dream which God had given him was fulfilled. And we know the story of Joseph. If you don't, read about it in Genesis chapter 37 and then chapter 39 through to the end of that book. I encourage you to read it because it's a, an incredible story. Talk about living the dream. But here's the thing. And all of Joseph's suffering, whether it was the pit, the price, the passage, the power, the passion, the prison, the people, the pharaoh, and even the palace, Joseph had been living the dream. He'd been getting to that place where finally that dream would be fulfilled. This was living the dream. It doesn't look like living the dream, does it? We think of living the dream as living the high life and everything's going well and, you know, people are becoming Christians all the time and the church is growing and, you know, the, the ministries are going great and everything's going fantastic. That's maybe what some people think is living the dream, but the reality is, the reality is that there are troubles, there are hardship, there are problems, and we know this as a church. We know what it's like to have these tests and trials in church. Why? Because there's no dream without danger, at least not a God-sized dream. I'm not finished. There's a tenth point here, and the tenth point is the purpose. God gave Joseph foresight. He gave him these dreams. And can I just say that ideas without a plan are just pipe dreams? Ideas without a plan are just pipe dreams. I don't want you to just have pipe dreams about your life. I encourage you to hear the call of God in your life, to know how you serve God in the life of this church, in this community, or the community which you stay in, the street which you stay in. Why? Because God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for my life. God places a call on each of us for a specific purpose. 
For some people, that might be to be in a position of power and leadership in government. For some people, that might be in business. For some, it may be education. For some, it may be in sports or media or recreation. There are all sorts of ways that God can call us into serving other people. Why? Because God cares about people. Jesus came to die to save people to set people free, and to give us an abundant life. Listen to what it says when it comes to thinking about the purpose. You see, Joseph knew the purpose. Joseph knew why God had given him the dreams, and he knew why he had had to spend 13 years of hardship where that that danger was presented to him time after time after time after time. And this is what he says to his brothers when eventually they're reconciled together. They're brought together. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Genesis 45 verse 5. I've underlined it. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph realized that there was purpose behind what was happening. Joseph realized that the dreams had danger attached, but he realized that that God was at work in and through the dangers. On the second occasion, Joseph says this. It's after his dad has died and his brothers are fearful that he's going to take his revenge on them because the dad has now passed away. And this is what he says In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now think about that hymn, Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. And I wanted to just read something. When we think about this, when we think about all that's going on in our world just now. We think about maybe what God might be saying to us in these moments, in this time in history. I think that God is calling people, he's calling the church to rise up and to be all that he intends it to be. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through to 39 says. I'm not going to put it on the screen because it's a long passage. Get your Bibles out and read it. And this is what it says. It's entitled, this little section of Romans chapter 8 is entitled More Than Conquerors. And listen to what it says. And these words, if they don't excite you, I don't know what will. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Even COVID-19, we know that in all things, God works for good. And I've been reading this week. And maybe the question isn't, why is this happening? Maybe the question is, what should we do in the middle of this? All things work for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Verse 29, listen to what it says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, 
Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. In other words, there is nobody that can condemn us because Jesus is there speaking up on our behalf. Verse 35, and listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the dream. But there is no dream without danger. God is calling us into that dream. God is calling you, God is calling me to live a life that is purely for him, to serve him. But you see, the reality is that for all of us who embark on the journey of the Christian life, this is the reality, that there is no dream without danger. Let me just ask you, what are your dreams? Are they dreams of material wealth, such as Porsches or palaces? Or are they dreams of people? Lost people, lost people being found, set free and growing as disciples of Jesus. Lost people being found and discovering their purpose in the kingdom of God. What's the dream? I think Jesus expressed the dream in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the dream, that God's purposes are fulfilled on this earth. And let me reiterate our mission as a church. Our mission is to be Christ-centered and community-focused. And I don't know if you can pick that out there. The key in community is unity. To be Christ-centered and community-focused. But what does that look like? Well, it looks like people who are deeply in love with God, God who is love, putting his plan and purpose for our lives in pole position. There I am thinking about that Porsche again. <laughs> but we want God to be number one in our lives. Not the material things. Not the things that fade away. Not the things that we can't take with us. Not the things that are distractions for us sometimes. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with things. It's about the place that things occupy in our lives. Is Christ enough? Is God enough? What does it mean? It means that we have a heart and a desire to serve others. 
and to save others, not only from sin, but from the sorrow that comes with living in an unjust world. And I think Micah sums it up for us. He says in Micah chapter eight, uh, 6, verse 8, sorry, He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that sums up for me what it means to be Christ-centered and community-focused, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I've tried time and time again to communicate that this mission has four stages, and I think this is the same for every church, if I'm being honest. This is the church's mission, and we see them here, reaching people with the gospel, winning people for Jesus, growing people into disciples, and serving people in Jesus' name. Let me just change that slide slightly. What does it look like? It looks like God and people, God and people, God and people, and God and people. It's always about God and people. Why? Because God loves this world and God wants to have a relationship with the people in this world. And God wants to give us a life that is an abundant life. It's all about God and people because God loves us. God loves you. I don't necessarily know everybody who's tuned into this broadcast today. There may be somebody who's tuned into this for the first time. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that the, the stuff of life, the baggage, all the stuff that slows us down can be, we can be set free from that. We can be forgiven. We can be made clean. We've been given a new start. Maybe you've never made that decision to invite Jesus into your life to give you that fresh start. Maybe you've stopped growing. Here we are, growing people into disciples. Maybe you've stopped growing. Maybe you're stuck. God wants to come into your circumstances and to give you a jump start, to push you and say, here we go, let's go on this journey again because there's no dream without danger attached. Let's go on the journey, let's get moving, let's get going, let's not be stuck, let's not be static. And maybe and maybe there are some people who stopped serving. I remember being in that position, being challenged to stop serving. Something had happened and I was feeling a bit disgruntled I remember there being a man in the church called Mike Sherwood from the Elam uh, movement, our sister denomination. Mike came and spoke at our church. He preached and I listened to what God said and I felt, I felt God calling me to come out to the front. I remember Mary and I going out when he made the appeal and I hadn't even reached the platform and, he, and it was as if God had showed him something, as if God had spoken right into that situation and God did speak right into that situation. And as I approached him, he said, I really feel that God is saying to you, don't withdraw your service. Some of you have heard that story before. God said so clearly, don't withdraw your service. Maybe there are some people who've stopped serving. Get into the dream. Live the dream. Live a God-sized dream. And realize that there's going to be danger on the way. Many dangers, toils, and snares. Why? Because there's no dream without danger, at least not a God-sized dream. Dream God's dreams, dream big dreams, and have faith because God is able to do abundantly, exceedingly over all that we can ask or imagine. God can do it if we have faith in him. Let's just pray as we finish off today.
Father, I just thank you for Joseph. I thank you for his life, for his example. Father, that he had a God-sized dream. Lord, we just pray that we can learn from that today. Lord, that we can move into the things which you have for us. Lord, maybe we have stopped growing. Maybe we've stalled in our faith. Lord, I pray that today would be the day where you just give us that jolt, where you just give us that kickstart. Father, maybe we've stopped serving you. Lord, may this be the day where we make that decision to get back into gear and to get going again and to begin serving you with all of our heart. Because, Father, this mission matters to you. Lost people matter to you. And Father, just as I think about serving, I pray for the food bank. Lord, I pray that your hand would be upon it. Lord, that you would bless those who are serving in Jesus' name in the food bank, whether it's the staff or the volunteers. Father, we thank you for provision for the food bank. And Lord, we pray that you continue to bless it. Lord, we thank you for answer for the, the, the board uh, who look after it, from uh, who are uh, part of the church here. And Lord, for those uh, who serve there, serve our more vulnerable, some of our more vulnerable people in the community. Lord, we thank you that we're able to serve in this way as well. Lord, we thank you for everybody who continues to work on the front lines of the situation that we face. And Lord, we pray that you bless them. Father, whether they're uh, medical or NHS staff or, or all the, the myriad of people who do all these different jobs and work on the front line. Father, we pray for your blessing upon them too. And Lord, we pray, help us to hear your voice for us today. May we dream God dreams. Father, may we be willing to step into your plan for our lives, into your future for us. And just before I finish off, maybe you've never made a decision to become a Christian. Today's your day. Today is the day where God wants to drop that dream into your heart, to give you a God-sized dream, to give your life meaning and purpose. Will it be easy? No, it won't be. Because being a Christian isn't an easy life. It's not everything just gets miraculously sorted out, but God can come in and deal with some of the stuff that we've been struggling with for years. And God can change things and he can change them in an instant. Doesn't always do it that way, but he can. And I want to pray for you today, just as we finish off. You pray this prayer after me, just whether out loud where you're sitting just now or standing or whatever you're doing, just pray it out loud or pray it quietly into your heart and God will hear that and he will just be inviting you into his family. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for his death and his resurrection. I thank you for the life that he wants to give me. Forgive me for not putting my faith in you, for not putting my trust in you, for doing my own thing. And help me to turn around today. I love you and serve you and follow you. Come into my life and make me new in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to reach out to us, whether through Facebook Messenger or whether uh, it's on our website and the, the information is going to come up in just a little second, whatburnpentecostal.com. Just go on there. You can find a way uh, into the, in the contacts to, to get in touch with us through that. We want to hear from you and we want to help you on that journey. So the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you, church, today. Um, I'm looking forward to when we can be fully back together. There's a transition uh, coming for us as we get back into that. And it's not going to look like church as normal for a while, but we just want to, to help each of you 
to really engage with all that God has for you. So I just wish you a great week to be blessed, to know God's purpose for your life and to keep dreaming the dream and to keep living the dream and let him be glorified. Amen.